Hey everyone, Tony and John from Cap City Crown bringing you King's Talk. John? Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Well, I don't know why I would ask that. They're not going to answer. Or I can't hear them. Maybe they are answering. I don't know. We're off to a good start. Um, yeah, great start. It's been three games since we last talked. Talked. Um, uh, yeah, with Sabonis and Fox. They uh, really haven't played in any of them. Sabonis played in Friday's game against the Celtics. And then since then, we haven't seen either of them. It, I have a feeling that their season's over and there's been reports on it. What do you have for us? Well, yeah, James Ham said uh, a couple of days ago that um, uh, Fox and Sabonis, he said, let's the tweet. To quote, it was nothing's 100%, but there's a, a very good chance that we have seen the last of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis this season for the Kings. And um, so, yeah, as you're kind of alluding to there, um, what we saw in Indiana on Wednesday night, we might see more of, which is no or none of the two big playmakers for the team and uh, uh, the need for like playmaking by committee almost, um, which was interesting against Indiana because they came out on top. They didn't necessarily play very, like they didn't play great, but considering all the circumstances, um, you know, they'd lost a bunch of games with the last few possessions and they won this game in the last few possessions. And uh, I think you can thank Buddy Heald's foot um, for a good chunk of that. Um, and then you can also thank Damian Jones, but you know, the Kings for the most part, uh, without their two main guys were finding a way and they were fighting, trying to find a way the whole time, which I guess at this point is the main thing, right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I expect them to keep playing like that. So I think that'll be really actually good for this team considering the fact that those playmakers are not going to be out there. Uh, it's going to really put bigger roles on the table for people and get to see aspects of people's games uh, that we maybe don't see often. So that's going to be great. I don't know what you think about not having uh, Sabonis and Fox out there for the rest of the season, at least potentially, or maybe not having the duo out there together. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, it might as well shut them down at this point. I mean, how many games are there left? Like eight, nine? Yeah, eight. There's only eight games left. We're five and a half out of the out of the uh, tenth spot. So I mean, <laughs> it's about over for that. Um, I mean, we we already kind of knew that, but especially with these injuries and Fox's hand and then Sabonis's knee, um, you know, obviously you're not going to rush him back or anything, and. At that point, you're kind of just playing for a better uh, lottery ball, right? So, sure, I'm okay with them sitting out. It's kind of that time of year anyway, and we're going to start seeing, you know, like you said, uh, looking at these other guys, these younger guys, get a chance to show show what they got. Uh, Metsu played great against the Pacers. He was really surprising, set his career high, 22 points. He looked really good in that first half, kind of dwindled out in the second, but, you know, um, 22 points from Metsu. That's a good night, any night. And then, 
you know, Mitchell's looked really good last couple of games. He's he's actually been really good this year as a starter. Mm-hmm. He's averaged 18.2 points a game this year as a starter, uh, only in 11 games. It's a small sample size, but, you know, I, I, it begs the question to me, like, would Mitchell be in, not maybe the front runner, but I think he would definitely be in more of the rookie of the year consideration if he was starting all year. Because the other five rookies in the in the rookie ladder, the top five, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, I think it goes Mobley, Cunningham, uh, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, and uh, Jalen Green. They've started every game this year. They haven't come off the bench once. So it kind of made me interested. Like, what if Davion was starting every game? He's averaging as a starter again, very small sample size compared to them, but he's averaging more points than all of them as a starter, but. I don't know. It's been really nice to see him really take off. Um, the three-point shot has looked great. Um, just his aggressiveness in total, his his confidence, uh, his scoring ability. Uh, I'm I'm really pleased with Damian and you know Damian Jones. He's I I feel like Damian Jones has just played well all year. He just needs that opportunity. Probably going to see it a little more down the stretch with Sabonis out most likely the rest of the year. So it's been uh it's been encouraging to see and. You know, Jones and Metu, their roles are a little up for grabs next year. I mean, Metu is signed through next year. Jones isn't. I don't think Metu's contract is guaranteed, though. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do to end the season will affect what the team decides to do with them next year. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree that um, there really is no use uh, risking anything further with the Stars um of this team frankly uh it's just not a good idea not worth it um and just the thing we were talking about davion mitchell there and the thing that um you had mentioned a few weeks ago about this franchise that's been frustrating about the few years last few years is that it's kind of like in that in between uh between being really bad and being a playoff team so like just kind of stuck in the middle there. And I think that one of the detriments of that um, is for Davion Mitchell. Uh, It's that he's not, that's that's, like, if you thought about it in three ways, it's like, you can be a starter as a rookie or think about it in four ways. You could be a starter as a rookie on a, well, okay. No, think about it three ways. I can't count. (laughs) (laughs) You could be a starter as a rookie. You could be, or you can be on the bench, on a good team as a rookie, or unfortunately like Davion Mitchell, you can be a rookie on the bench on a pretty bad team. And that's just unfortunate because you kind of want the kid to play because that's the only way he's going to learn. And if the team's not going to be winning or whatever the case is anyways, or if that starting position is immediately being filled because um, through that draft pick, um, you know, that's, honestly for the benefit of the player no matter what no matter what mistakes are made that's always to the benefit of the player it's always to the benefit of the player's confidence which is always the biggest thing in transitioning to the nba and i think that's one of the reasons you've seen mitchell so up and down i think that perfectly explains why he does well in the starting lineup um i think it's a confidence thing for rookies and that just kind of sucks why (laughs) that he couldn't you know either start for this team which honestly he was never going to, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, 
that alternative be a contributing rookie on a pretty good team um you know on a good winning culture now i think the culture is coming together for the team since the trade so you know i think the last month of basketball and we're seeing it in these last two games in particular um we're really seeing probably the biggest growth spurt for mitchell honestly and i just expect him to be an immediate contributor probably off the bench next season still unless they trade fox um, which i don't really envision that happening at this point um you know he's 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 gonna be still kind of like turning a pretty cruddy situation as a rookie when you think about it into a really positive thing and i think next season he's going to be very very good and i think that that was another reason that this team needed to pick a direction because uh, it does no good for your young players if they don't know what the hell's going on you can see how it demoralizes guys when you keep saying we're going to make the playoffs and you don't you know that ages that ages a guy's morale very quickly and uh so i think you know mitchell the fact that we're at this point where I feel like the road ahead is pretty bright for sure. Um, you know, that's all the credit to him. I think he's just a workhorse. I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. He already is. Yeah. And you know, you've heard stories on his work ethic and how he's a gym rat and you know, that only builds to, you know, his, his stock as a, as a player. Cause you know, I, Dave Brown wasn't a top five pick for a reason, but, you know, he he seems like a guy that's focused on getting better, determined to get better. And honestly, that's, I don't know. I don't feel like we've heard of someone like that in SAC for a while. And it's nice to, you know, get that person in the draft. He's a, he's a culture builder for sure in that sense alone. And his, his jump shot, I feel like, has improved because of his gym, his being in the gym so much from what we hear. And it definitely struggled to start off the year. He, he was never really that great of a shooter in college. He had one good year, and it was his last year before getting drafted. So it was kind of like, okay, was this an anomaly, or was this, like, the real thing? And he definitely started off rough. And, of course, it's, you know, your rookie season in the NBA, so you can't expect this dude to come out and shoot 40% from three like he did in college. But, you know, the last couple games, it's or, you know, last month, I'd say, or so, it's, it's been really encouraging, and I bet he's been in the gym a lot working on that. Mm-hmm. That's the only explanation. I mean, the guy's just, you know, just keeps working hard. He just keep waiting for that opportunity, which is a great transition to Metu and Jones because um, both of them got proper praise after the Pacers game. And both of them, I think, had similar answers about just keeping their heads down, just keep working. It might have just been Metu saying that, but he was saying that of him and Jones. But, you know, it's just like, I can't predict the future. I don't know if what you see from Metu is something you're going to be able to get for a whole year, like Metu over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly have a little bit more faith in the production consistency of Damian Jones. Um, I just think that you kind of know what you're going to get from him. Metu, if he starts going in there and starts not making shots, well, then all of a sudden that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I think Damian, uh, Damian Jones um, probably only has a problem that he's just not a standout talent, you know, which 
can get you at the end of a bench or get you just in a chain of 10 day contracts like he's done in the past. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with him, both of them. But, you know, regardless if it works out for them with the Kings or not, or even to what capacity that is, um, you know, you want to have guys competing for spots that are just like them, you know, guys that are like legitimately just going out there, keeping their heads down, not trying to whine about anything. And they go in there when their number's called and they do their darn thing. They do mm -hmm. their work and that's nice. And I think, um, you know, Jones definitely just, I think sometimes just needs to be given the time because it seems like this season that's literally been the problem for him is it's like whenever he goes out there, he's pretty good. It's like, Oh, Jones, like sometimes you forget about him, you know? Yeah. And he'd come in and you'd be like, man, why don't, you, why don't you play him more often? I feel like that question has been asked in this space a couple of times. Um, you know, like that's just kind of been the thing for him. And then Metu is just like all of a sudden playing well. And I think it's a bit of a confidence thing for him. I think, the, the trade happened. It kind of, I think this got brought up in the press conference after the Pacers game. They were kind of saying, I think the question was asked, like, how do you feel basically that things are kind of have started gelling for you in terms of a role on this team since the train trade, meaning that with this new group of guys, you gel well with this new group of guys, you gel well with what we want to do. Basically, how does that you know feel? And obviously he's like, that feels great. You know, I'm just going to keep doing my work though. But it's like, that's exactly it, is it's like, there's, he, you know, I think um, we talked about this last week. It's like, if he can do these things, he's really filling a role that the Kings need, being a stretch four, um, athletic, solid on defense. Um, he really does a lot of good things and does a lot of good, uh, has a good attitude about the game. And, you know, last night, I feel like the only critique I had of him was that it seemed like he kind of ran out of gas or something. Mm -hmm. And some of those shots at the end were just kind of like, okay, wait, what's going on here? Um, and, but, you know, those guys, just both of them, you know, I you probably don't want to go out there saying, yeah, you want them to be uh, for sure in your rotation next season. You probably want to add guys. You want them to be competing for a spot in your rotation, maybe at most. But in terms of that kind of a role or that kind of an opportunity, I think those are the perfect guys for it. Those are the the, the right amount of upside with the right attitude. And I, I think that's just what's perfect about those guys. Um, as opposed to Mitchell, who is obviously uh, a bright spot for a while for this team, hopefully. Um, yeah, I, I think he will be. I think he's definitely in the long-term plans. You don't trade Halliburton if he's not. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't see him coming off the bench his whole tenure on the Kings. I think he will be moved to the starting lineup next to Fox once he is ready. And you know, he's gonna start guarding that best two guard or the best guard with him and Fox on the floor. And then really let Fox, you know, do what he does offensively without having to worry too much on the defensive end. I don't mm. think he does too much right now, but it, it's going to be fun to watch Mitchell's defense and Fox's offense. I think I think that is the direction they chose to go in the future with sticking with Mitchell and Fox over a combination of the three with Albert and Fox and Mitchell. Yeah, but 
we we and going to Damian Jones. Yeah, we have talked about it uh, several times. Like, just just give this guy some more minutes, you know. And um, yeah, he he just always plays well on the floor. He's he's big. He's like a real seven footer, and he he's athletic, but he's also not like thin. He's like a built guy. He can hold his own in the post. He's actually not terrible on the perimeter against guards. I was mm-hmm. saw it yesterday on Wednesday. Yeah, I remember. Um, I, I mean, it's been Mark Jones. I, I'm pretty sure it was. I was watching. It was a game couple, maybe a couple months ago, and he was telling a story about one of the assistant coaches for the Warriors when Damian Jones was on the Warriors with when the you know. He won two rings with them, so when they were definitely super good, um, I guess one of the assistant coaches would reward him every time he could get a stop on Clay on the perimeter. So I, every time I watch Jones on the perimeter now, it's like I envision him guarding Clay Thompson in practices, and I'm like, you know, that's the that's a really good way to you know get your perimeter defense better against guards in this league. So I, I think he holds his own pretty well in there. Oh man, he's excellent, and also he he shoots well. I feel like yeah. it's something we've seen the last couple of games. He hit a three against the Suns. I think he went zero for one from three against the Pacers, but he hit a few mid range jump shots in both of those games, and that's always nice. I feel like that's always. I feel like anytime you get a big that can do that, you know, like that's always kind of my thing about Sabonis is I feel like Sabonis is not quick to make a trigger, pull the trigger on any kind of a mid range to deep shot. And that's probably just because, you know, he's not always going to make it. He's probably honestly better off doing something else with the ball. But sometimes you, you're like, you should have shot that one. You know, yeah. it would have been interesting if you put that up, you know. And yeah. I think that's something the team's kind of working on. But, I mean, like, I think that's definitely you want to see more of that from uh, Damian Jones. Uh, just being able to take that shot. You're seeing Lyles be more aggressive. Um, and I just think... I, I don't know if him – I think he put up a good amount of shots yesterday. You know, like kind of – yeah, he put up 10 shots yesterday. No, that's kind of normal for him. Um, but you've seen Lyles get a little bit more aggressive in the last few weeks. And I just feel like the encouragement that's going around on the team is it's spreading to the point where people are just – it's not just like Dante DiVincenzo, but everybody's just like encouraging everybody at this point. It sounds like based on the interviews and the way they talk about the group of guys at this point. And um, I just think that without Fox and Sabonis, this is just, this is so great for, for Jones in particular, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Cause Matt too, like I, like we said, it's like, he really did kind of um, like minutes fell in his lap. Yeah. I mean, like from the start of the trade for the most part, um, Jones kind of had to, really wait um and sometimes wait get it and then wait some more um but you know he's really gonna have he's gonna be the starting center i think for the rest of the season if you don't see sabonis um and oh man i think that that's gonna give the kings the perfect opportunity to get a look at him and be like is he part of our future or no and i would say that he's really making that at least difficult because with these kind of guys you never want to be like the guy that's like, you know, like, oh, no, I believe in this guy. And it's like, well, oh, don't put all your chips in, you know, one corner there. Um, yeah. Take it easy. Um, but I, I got to say I'm rooting for him, you know. Yeah. And 
This is yeah, just good. This is good. I, I like Jones. I think we're a Jones fan club over here for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that Golden State. I just. I, I just think you know, in talking about what you do as a rookie, he got he got put into like one of the best cultures in the NBA at that time, and still to this day. But at that time, for sure. And I I just feel like anytime you see that, like. <laughs> You know, oh, dude, that guy played under Steve Kerr for the Warriors, won a chant, got a ring, or, you know, whatever the case is for the particular player. And, you know, I think that's a big flipping deal. Like getting uh, Dante DiVincenzo in here, like, I know he technically didn't play in the finals, but, you know, championship team, man. And he was a huge part of that team. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's the way to go about it. I mean, I just, it's, it's, it's a nice sign. And like I said, no promises for Jones, but if you wanted somebody competing for a spot, like you want to see him in that competition. Yeah. And, you know, Jones definitely has an opportunity now to make a case for him next year. I mean, it was Sabonis being the starting center with the uncertainty uh, with Rashawn Holmes. and Maybe he gets traded and, you know, there's some other news happening around Rashawn as well that could i guess affect his chances of playing next year uh right um yeah the sack b uh robin epley had to come up with a report um disclosing why it was that the king shut down rashawn holmes season it's a very unfortunate chain of events uh and for a very unfortunate reason um these are all alleged situations that'll be sorted out in court but it's a serious allegation about domestic violence and abuse of a child um and like i said that's that's a pretty serious thing and that'll have to get sorted out that's not something that we can really talk about any further than that other than the fact that you know and we'll get it to rashawn holmes and uh, as in terms of the roster in a second but um the fact that that had to come out from a report from the SAC B and Vivek Ranadive's franchise did not get out in front of that and address the issue, considering that they have such a strong opinion against domestic violence. And they have also in the past, Vivek has pointed to the fact that he's a very forward thinking guy. He talks about how progressive he is. Uh, I think there's got to be a little bit of uh, questions that need to be answered. There's a few questions that need to be answered just in terms of, when were you planning to say something? What do you know about the situation? What was the reason for not saying anything? Why is it the SAC B has to come out and derive this information into the public's uh, attention? Uh, again, we don't know anything. In, in terms of the specifics, all we know for is that the allegation's been made that a restraining order has been filed against Rashawn Holmes by the mother and granted by a judge. So that's important to know as well. And, uh, you know, they just have to show up in court at this point. But uh, just some a little bit of questions, I think, directed at the, the top of the, the organization. But in terms of uh, Rashawn Holmes' future on this team, uh, I, like I said, it's hard to say. But um, I know that you'd noted after um, Sabonis got – traded here that uh it's hard to imagine that uh you know considering the contract he just signed that he would be coming off the bench with all that 
And that's due to just a couple of factors, not just like the money, which you can kind of rectify and can't in terms of coming off the bench, but um, also in terms of like what Roley wants. And I know that um, I think Jason Anderson has kind of maintained the idea that they're probably, they were, that the idea probably is to trade him. Um, but of course, that was kind of before everything. Uh, and even when they did shut him down, McNair and back, uh, not Bagley, uh, Holmes uh, uh, were expressive about um, wanting to kind of reunite next season, you know, when he comes back mm-hmm. or if he comes back. And um, so it's interesting. I do think that if you're talking about him from a player standpoint, I think that the last couple of games he played, he did show that he can be helpful um, because he's kind of an interesting piece in that, I mean, I don't really know. I guess Sabonis, I think anytime he's out there, he's the five. But, you know, Holmes might be the one guy that makes Sabonis the four, like someone that you want to play beside him, you know? Like, I, there's other guys that would obviously make Sabonis the four technically, but in terms of people that you would actually want to play together. And I do think that the, the Holmes thing was interesting because um, cause Holmes can kind of like pop up at different points in the key because he's pretty good with that push shot um, and he's good close to the basket. And so like, because I know that when he was playing with Jones in Utah, you know, he would play high in the paint and Jones would play low. And like, I noted that that's obviously not the style of basketball you want to play these days, but given the circumstances, it was working kind of well um, for a little bit. Um, they obviously didn't work with it the whole game. They didn't want to. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, but I do think Holmes is an interesting enough player on offense and defense. He's just because of his athleticism as well. It, it, you could say that he could play besides Sabonis, but then I'm also just finding myself are you just pushing that because he's on the team and he's being paid so much? And I, I don't know. And I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of fitting into the rotation. Sean Holmes is just a three, a, a mediocre, like a Trey Lyles type three point shot away from being a solid stretch for next to any center in the league. Because his center, especially since getting Sabonis, and their rebounding alone has definitely shown differences with the second chance points. And, you know, that, that's big in itself because Holmes can never control the paint. So it's always hard to have Holmes in the middle. Um, and, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I wish I wish Holmes could have a three-point shot. I don't see him as a five. I would rather see him as a four next to Sabonis. Mm-hmm. I see that. Sabonis, he controls the pain better, for sure. He's a bigger body. And, yeah, Holmes is a very interesting player. And, you know, that's what kind of made him his – he got, like, you know, that solid-sized contract, and that's why he started flourishing in SAC, because he did uh, several things where well. He rim-ran really well, and he had that push shot. He was never a great rebounder. He was a – he's, like, a good rebounder, but – you know, you don't want your center averaging eight rebounds a game. You want that yeah. first 10, right? Yeah. But he was also a good free throw shooter, and that mattered. He he was an exceptional free throw shooter for a big man. And, yeah, that, that push shot, that 
I don't know. I, I just wish he had more of a shot. And he kind of, I feel like there was a report earlier this year talking about maybe he'll shoot some more threes. I think we saw a couple earlier this season, but really not much more than that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish, I, I think, I think that could really help Holmes in his career if he could really start working on that three. It's nothing crazy anymore. A lot of, a lot of players work on their threes. Um, who never shot before. I mean, look at Brooke Lopez. That dude mm-hmm. never shot threes. He was an all-star and he never shot threes. And now he's like one of the best shooting big men in the league. I, I think that would really work out for Holmes as good as he is rim running. And, you know, he was really good in that pick and roll with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. He just, he's just too small for that center role. And you need at least, at least one shooting big um, mm. in the league now. And it's hard to justify him at that center position. Right, especially since getting Sabonis, it's like, yeah, I hear you. You have someone who can grab defensive rebounds and stop those second chance points and actually go up against real seven footers. So, Hmm. it, I like Holmes a lot. Um, I don't know, it just that that three pointer. He he needs to go in the gym and I guess start working on it and develop it. And I think it'll take his game to the next level making like a really valuable piece in the league yeah but then that leaves the kings in a very like dark spot it's like well is he first of all is he going to be able to like like is is he really going to put in that work and is it going to pay off like are we going to see three-point production from him because in three seasons with the kings he's shot 16 threes and made four two in each of the last two seasons um and you know, there's just like, I mean, he did shoot Oh, in Philadelphia. He shot 77 three pointers. And he's had a good amount of three pointers in Philadelphia. He shot 152 in three seasons there and made 39 for 25 percent. But in his second season, he shot 35 percent from three yeah. and 77 attempts. So, I mean, it looks like the potentials there. But I mean, why the drop off? Why is that not get better? I mean, like, the game obviously asks for him to get better, I feel like. Yeah. Like, anytime you have the opportunity to be a better three-point shooter, that should be the thing. Um, it looked like he just had less opportunities the next season, and it never really came up in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, and that's just – that seems like – that I didn't realize that. That's a huge <laughs> – it seems like a missed opportunity. <laughs> it just doesn't uh, – because just based on those – the, the second season in particular in Philadelphia, but the amount of the volume of threes he took uh, with the Sixers, it's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. Are you dying there? Yeah. <laughs> I was drinking some water and I went down the wrong side. <laughs> you know, uh, water can do so many things and then it can just, just kill you. <laughs> I know, right? But, um, yeah, no, I, I did notice that. Um, cause I, w- I was kind of, I knew Rashawn Holmes when we got him. I knew he was a player in the league. I obviously I knew he was on the Sixers because I remember he was on the Sixers with like all those centers. It was like Okafor, there was Embiid, there was mm. um, Nerlens Noel, and so I remember hit him being in Philadelphia. And then I looked at his stats and I'm like, oh, he used to shoot some threes. Like maybe we'll see that. I don't think he shot a lot on the Suns. It's where and that's where he played before coming to Sacramento. I'm not I'm not saying Holmes should go work on the his three and then the king should plug him into the four next year i'm just saying like i think that would be good for him as a player 
I, I think Holmes is traded in this offseason. I don't think he's going to want to come off the bench. He won't fit with Sabonis. Um, I, I think he's going to be gone. I, mm-hmm. I don't see him staying. And, you know, maybe you can get a solid stretch four for him. He, he's, he still has value. He's still an interesting player. Um, I think he's traded, but he'll definitely bring back something nice. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, because it's like, well, why did it, again, kind of just getting back to the accusations uh, in terms of the context of wanting to trade him. Is that why they tried to keep this in the dark or something, thinking that they would just try to keep this in the dark until the legal side got figured out? And then that would preserve some trade value because they figure if everything works out, and this is speculation, I don't know. They figure if, if everything works out, nobody has to know that the accusations even happen because they maybe see the accusations as some kind of a blip um, on uh, character of some sort. Uh, of him of his um i don't know it's just it it gets kind of weird and then you do get to the question of it's like well is he even going to be tradable i don't know i mean that again that gets into a lot of speculation not gonna know yeah it's kind of a sticky situation with holmes in terms of where he fits in going forward because it's hard to say kind of like you're expressing and it goes even further Mm-hmm. This whole ordeal with the court now, it definitely drops his trade value any way you look at it, whatever the outcome is. Um, but again, it's not something that I'm going to speculate on because I don't want to. And it's not my job. Um, but yeah, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially now. But his trade value definitely goes down. Uh, especially with, uh, you know, it is public now and it's not something that's going to be so easily swept under the rug Mm -hmm. regardless. Right. And it should have never been in this position, obviously, um, as we addressed, but that is, um, (laughs) for us to talk about, I guess, but it's for the, the, everybody else to figure out because that is a, that is a murky situation in terms of, where he fits in the roster. And then of course the bigger thing of uh, whatever's going on in that situation. Mm. But, um, you know, uh, just kind of taking it back to, to Jones and, and met um, you know, it's uh, one of those things that I was commenting on. I mean, like the work ethic is one thing and character is another thing. And it's hard to say what's going on, but it's just like, just the idea that you are keeping your head down. I just think that's probably why listening to them last night, I was like, ah, these guys, it's just, it's just, there's just something about both of them. And I'm not really one to be like, like to be like, Oh, I like this professional athlete, you know, cause it's hard to relate with professional athletes. Um, but you know, there's, there's a, there's something about these guys that is just like, you know, I'm glad that the Kings have kind of first dibs on these guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think, like I said, if you're being honest, if you really expect this Kings team to be good next season, they're going to have to add two, three good players, good pieces probably, you know, to this team. And maybe a starter in there. Um, that would be ideal, I would think. Um, and uh, and the more the merrier. That doesn't That doesn't mean it has to be exclusive to that. But I think this team still has to make a few moves that are pretty big 
and that might put a few of these guys at odds. But, you know, uh, I, I like we said last week, I don't think that this team could really be in a better position because I think in terms of the fact, another reason why you want to just shut down Sabonis and Fox uh, for the rest of the season is because I think you kind of accomplished what you wanted to accomplish from those two. You saw what they can do together. You saw what the foundation of this team is. And you saw it at work, and you saw how it immediately changed everything about this team. And I think that that, you know, obviously they said the mission was making the plan. The probability of that happening was always kind of low, I think. Um, but in terms of everything else, I think that they're that they 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 can walk away with, you know, post trade situation in terms of Sabonis and Fox and be like, well, they really, I think we really accomplished what we wanted to accomplish there. Laid the groundwork for those two. And it'll be interesting to see whatever it's interesting then to see everybody else kind of jostle for position. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, is there any other person player that you think um, is kind of like in an enhanced role um, that you've seen? kind of positives from um let me think other than the people we touched on already yeah and i mean it doesn't have to be like it could be something like you know um like just seeing like i think one of the things i noticed about dante DiVincenzo these last couple of games is that he's i think he's led the team in assists mm -hmm. in no, yeah, he, two he out of the three games playing. yeah and I think one of the things, especially in that the game against the Celtics, that was the first game without Fox, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I was noticing when I was watching that game was, I know Davion Mitchell didn't end up having the greatest game. Um, it was the next two games where he really had a great game. But I felt like, and he, this was kind of in the whole stretch these last few games, Deontay DiVincenzo seemed like he was committed to kind of doing a little bit more contributions in terms of, distributing the ball kind of as a way to encourage Davion Mitchell to pull the trigger on more shots, you know, and, and see those shots go in because, you know, I think when he gets in there in the starting line, he, he took 14 shots the first game against the Celtics. And then he ended up taking 22 in the next game, the overtime game um, with pretty much the same amount of shots in the, um, uh regular um what would you call it? regular regular time why am i blanking on that uh, uh regulation regulation thank you um and then he took 15 shots against the pacers and i just like i don't think it's so much that he was like encouraged by trying to like jack up shots but he was like encouraged just to do his thing and you saw his percentages go up and i think when you kind of see the swiss army knife nature of dante DiVincenzo. um man that's just awesome <laughs> like uh he does so many things that i think kind of in an intangible aspect um are so big i mean i think every time you know uh the kings are transitioning to defense and the cameras on dante DiVincenzo, he's talking to people mm -hmm. <laughs> he's telling he's telling people pay attention to the ball I, I took a note of that in one of the games. He's like, he's telling people, pay attention to the damn ball um, as it's coming up, you know? 
he's encouraging guys. He he felt like with Mitchell, and he had, it seems like he has a really nice bond with Mitchell. Um, it seemed like he was kind of helping him kind of get in a nice frame of mind to 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 essentially, um, as the kids would say, ball out. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he's been. It's just it's just great. I don't know. I just feel like he does so many things for this team. It's kind of ridiculous, um, and it's kind of fitting that he's wearing the number zero. And I wonder. I, I kind of wonder if Tyrese Halliburton thought about that on Wednesday, um, watching Divincenzo on this team. I doubt it because when NBA players are playing, they're focused on their job. But you know, <laughs> it's interesting to think about. You know. Yeah, kind of. I agree. I mean. You know, I, Halliburton wasn't here long, but he definitely left an impression. But, you know, it's, it was going to be a big number to fill regardless. And In that locker room. Yeah. And, yeah, DiVincenzo, he's, you know, taking it on with stride. So, he's been awesome. Yeah, his playmaking ability, he's definitely picked it up with Fox out. His three-pointing, his, his shooting seems to be uh, getting better as well. So, that's encouraging to see as well. Um yeah, I, I, I mean, I can only say positive positives about DiVincenzo. He's he's been really a bright light since coming here, and I'm glad that the Kings and McNair they finally bring him a sack because I know they were trying to, and yeah, they finally pulled it, and only for Marvin Bagley. Like, Man, aren't you, aren't you happy you got rid of that guy? <laughs> yeah, Mister. <laughs> Mr. Uh, he's glad to play with guys now in Detroit that can throw him lobs. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's like highlight reels of uh, Tyrese Halliburton throwing up lobs. Dude, he played with Halliburton and he played even longer with Fox. Yeah. What are you talking about? So for those who don't know what we're talking about, um, the other night, Marvin Bagley commented about him playing with Killian Hayes and uh, I hope I'm saying that right. And Kate Cunningham, <laughs> he said, he's like, it's nice to actually play with guys who throw lobs to me or who can throw lobs. Um, like, I have two of them on the court at the same time with me. And it's like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, mm-hmm. first of all, when when were you ever on the court in Sacramento to catch a lob? Because you were out your first three seasons. Or, yeah, I mean, two at least. But then, like, what are you talking? You had Fox and Halliburton in that time span. Like, especially Halliburton. He's a really good passer. So don't give me that. that was, I, don't, I, don't know what he's, I don't know what he's talking about. It's, it, it's, it's ridiculous because it, in terms of him and Heald, because Heald said some interesting things as well. Um, the whole thing about in Sacramento, they only put me in a corner. Um he first of all, it's important to note with the Buddy Healed thing, and I'm going to connect these two things. I'm not brushing over the Marvin Bagley thing. I'll, I'm going to circle back to Marvin, but um, you know, Buddy Healed got asked about the positives that he can take away from Wednesday's game, considering you know the fact that he lost it for his team, and you know, Buddy's like, well, you know, like we always want to take away positives, all that stuff, you know, given that sort of answer, and then he just kind of kept talking. And all of a sudden, he just starts going off about something that nobody asked about. He's just like, quote, I'm proud of myself. I was doing a lot of things I was not able to do over in in Sacramento. I make plays for my teammates 
Rick's uh, trusted me a lot to do more. And that's something I've always wanted to do and something Sacramento didn't let me do. I just stand in a corner and just catch and shoot. Change is great for me. I'm happy to change. Now I'm happier when I play. I'm happy with the way my basketball is going. I'm more freed up and I'm more at peace with myself. Now I can play basketball again. Um, now, the thing is about both of these guys is they're blaming. They're very clearly blaming the situations when they were very much a part of creating the massively like regrettable situations of Buddy Hield's downfall in Sacramento and Marvin Bagley's, you know, the fact that Marvin Bagley was even drafted, you know, and the fact that everything had to be a damn freaking, you know, it had to be taken to the nth degree in terms of drama with him, you know, getting, you know, cl the classic new trend of getting people's dads involved. And I don't know. It's just like, it speaks a lot to, I don't think it's the case for all athletes, but I know that, you know, athletes get told that they're great their whole life. Every level, if you're a professional athlete, you've been told that you're great your whole life. You've never been told that you're the problem because you never have been the problem, obviously. And you'd never think of it. And so when they get to the NBA, they're never going to think of it. And there's two things that can happen. You can, well, there's a couple of things that can happen, I guess. You can be good and never have to face that again. You can be the best at what you do at the next level, and then you'll never be faced with that again. Or you won't be the best at what you do, and you'll have to kind of like, you know, uh, rectify with, you know, kind of like come to terms with that situation, or you can do what Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley do. And that is point the finger, even though every time you put the, the every time Buddy Heald did anything other than catch and shoot, you put the ball on the floor, he loses it. You know, he's, he's, he's shooting early in the shot clock. You know, he's not playing any defense, you know, like what the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like you have a bigger role in Indiana. You think that's, you're going to have that same role the whole time. You don't think they're trying to get better. You don't think your role is going to diminish next season if they get better? That's like, I just don't get these guys. And it's just like Marvin Bagley's been there for like a month and he's just acting like, you know, he's a new guy. I don't know. It's just, it's, I, again, I think it speaks to just the way they are. And I think that all that tells you, if you're looking at and you're the Sacramento Kings or you're a Sacramento Kings fan, um, and really if you're a fan of any team, you do not want them. You're better yeah. off without them. You're yeah. better off without those guys. They're just, that's, you know, it just doesn't makes no sense. They are net negatives. Yeah. I'm just, I'm glad they're not on the Kings anymore. It was a win of a trade deadline, just getting rid of those two, uh, not even, you know, counting that we got Sabonis. They were, they didn't want to be here. They made it known they did not want to be here. And they probably weren't great for that locker room either. So, and not then, good for the culture yeah yeah i mean wh why would you want people here that don't want to be here right and who publicly you know make it known that they don't really want to be here so yeah it, their comments they don't surprise me i'm not even really mad at them it's just kind of funny it's like all right like yeah like blame it on us yeah buddy you, you want first of all you weren't ever in the corner catching and shooting that like wasn't your job it should have been. I wish you were only in the corner catching and shooting because you suck at dribbling. I mean, let's see what you did against the Kings on Wednesday dribbling. Oh, you, you lost the game because you lost it out of bounds. How how sweet was that? Watching Buddy watching Buddy lose it out of bounds at a crucial point in the game. Uh, it was bitter it, it wasn't bittersweet. It was it was great. It felt it felt amazing. It was 
it's a perfect illustration of who he is as a player. He yeah. will play well. He'll get you to that point. Like, oh, shoot, because the, the Pacers are in that position where they can win, they're about to win the game. Like, Buddy Hill played well. He was, what, the leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I think so. Oh, Buddy, and then Buddy loses the game. <laughs> he can take you so far, and then he'll just throw it out the window. Yeah, you and know? he did that. To, I mean, he, he fumbled the ball out of bounds so many times. I mean, boneheaded plays at the end of games all the damn time. And it's just like, and then he does it, and then he does it against us, and loses the game. And then you, you, then you come out in the post game and be like, "Yeah, like I'm given a bigger role here. I'm not just catching and shooting." It's like, yeah. Dude. And he's been adamant about trying to say that because I was reading before the game. Um, it was like Monday, uh, the from the Indy Star uh, publication in Indianapolis. They were talking. Uh, to Halliburton and healed like about who they're excited to see. And it's like this nice article about like their connection to like Rico Hines, uh, the assistant coach and like head of like player development and all that stuff. And it's like nice. And then there's just like, there's just like this little part where it's just like healed said he's been given a better opportunity in Indiana. And like, it's just like, I don't know. Like I just like when I was reading it and I'm like, like shut the hell up. <laughs> like Just shut up, man. Like, I don't know. I still stand by the idea. It's just like, dude, if you don't think things, you think, if you think things are going to be like this, you know, in terms of your workload and role on that team, you know, forever or on any team, it's just like, you're not a number one or a number two option. You know, like you're the three, you're a great three point shooter. And I just think, you know, and not even talking about basketball, but just like when you meet people in life that try too hard, and like they're good at one thing, but they always try to do something else. And they're just like, it just, they're obnoxious. It's just very annoying. It's just like, I don't know why this person doesn't just kind of stay in their lane in terms of what they're good at. Um, and man, there is the basketball version of that is Buddy Healed. And, you know, I always think about too the fact that Buddy, Buddy Healed getting like overconfident about his um, abilities and what his role should be on a basketball team, how, you know, like he played well up until like Jaeger got fired, right? Yeah, he, he played well under Jaeger, and that was really it. And then Walton came in. Jaeger Jaeger kept the dude in check. I, I think a perfect illustration is a game against the Warriors where Buddy, the Kings were down by like six or five or something like that with like 30 seconds left. And Buddy hits a like a deep three, pulls up from deep. I mean, it wasn't a terrible shot, but it was like five feet behind the arc uh, in the, you know, in the position the Kings needed to score. Um, and they were still in the playoff hunt at this point. And uh, he made the shot. And it's like, oh, a great shot by Buddy. But Jaeger pulls him aside because the Kings had a foul. And he, you can just see Jaeger laying into heel. And at the time, I'm like, man, why is he laying into heel? Like, he made the shot. We needed a three. He made it. Like, praise this guy. But Jaeger, obviously Jaeger knew more. It's like, well, anyway, so Jaeger chews him out. The Warriors end up missing a, a free throw or maybe, but I think they miss one. Anyway, the Warriors are only up by two. And Buddy has a chance to take that same exact shot like that he made. And like, right, like five feet behind the arc, wide open. And he hesitates. And, he, and then he can, you know he's thinking about Jaeger chewing him out and what Jaeger told him on the sideline. And then he dribbles into traffic and like jacks up this terrible shot. And it was to me, it's like Jaeger, like what? Like he didn't take that shot. 
because you yell at him. But Yeager, would, he was just checking the dude. And I don't think he was mad that – he obviously wasn't mad that he made the shot. But he he probably just knew that he, Buddy was going to get out of hand and you had to stop it right then and there. And we saw that with Walton. Walton just gave Buddy the, the free reign to do what he wanted, dribble, take the ball up, shoot early in the shot clock, and his game really suffered for it. And You yeah. can't rein that leash back in. Yeah, it, it was over. And it was upsetting to see. I mean, I, personally, I didn't think the contract was that bad when Buddy signed it. I really like Buddy Heald. He was scoring 20 points a game. First king to score 20 since Cousins. Um on like 43% shooting from deep, which is crazy. Like mm-hmm. two, like I think he was like second or third in the league in threes that year. He just had a really, a really good year. And it's like, all right, like the league, you need a shooter in this league. And we got one right here. And yeah, it just kind of fell off from there. Unfortunately. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it'd be, it seems like, like you said, I mean, like, it seems like you're, you know, you go back to that moment with Jaeger, um, like in the moment you're like, ah, oh, man, should have shot that shot. But in hindsight, we know so much now and it's just, I, man, you don't fire Jaeger and you yeah. don't replace him with a, with, I mean, it's not bad that Walton's a player's coach, but it was certainly bad for, um, but he healed because he did. He 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 let up on the leash, and then there was no way to pull it back, and it, there was no way to pull it back and uh, keep healed satisfied. You know, yeah, uh, he he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the guy closing games. You know, and yeah. and you know he wanted to be the guy with the ball in his hand more often than not. And you know, it's just you just I don't know. You have to trust player coaches that have been around the league for very long. Cause you know that Jaeger's seen guys like that. I can't yeah. give an example, but you know, he's seen guys like that, you know? And I mean, I, I'd be interested to know because Jaeger didn't, wasn't Jaeger coaching the Grizzlies when the Grizzlies traded Rudy Gay? Uh, I don't, I don't think, Ye- I don't know. I don't think Jaeger was a coach for that long. I think he only coached the Grizzlies for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of towards the end of their glory days with Mike Conley and um, I don't even know if Zebo was there anymore. It was definitely towards the end, but he 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 definitely took them to the playoffs. Still, let me see. Mm-hmm. He became the coach of the Grizzlies in thirteen fourteen. Oh, he did. Yes. Oh, never mind. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, I think the Kings got gay and they got yeah they got him in thirteen fourteen. The Kings got Rudy Gay in thirteen fourteen. Yeah, it's uh, midway through the season. Oh, so he was the coach of the Grizzlies when they traded Rudy Gay. No, no, but he was on. I forgot to say he got traded to Toronto first. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, duh. he he was in Toronto. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I kind of laid. I kind of let you set you up for that failure. Um, yeah. I should have said something. Uh, but <laughs> uh. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Forget it. <laughs> Forget what I was gonna say. But um, um, I don't know. You gotta trust. You, you just. It's a lot of lessons to be learned. And I. I don't know. I feel like a, an implicit trend here is to let the professionals do their thing and don't have anybody who doesn't know what they're talking about, who just has authority over the situation, try to do more than they need to do. 
Um, but you know, yeah, that's buddy healed thing. It's just, it's kind of sad, but it's also just pathetic, you know? And it's just like, you know, in contrast, Tyrese Halliburton, when Tyrese Halliburton got traded, you know, like he wrote that piece and then like, you know, like there was all the interviews and everybody around the league was talking about how shocked he was and all this stuff. And he even did like a, uh, an interview with GQ that got released uh, last week or something like that. And it just like kind of all sounds sappy, but I sat down and read a lot of those things again. And, you know, it's just like, he's, he's, you can't hurt the guy for like all NBA players are probably going to express themselves authentically. He's expressing himself authentically. And I think one of the things that I read and what he's saying is that he was, he just, it, it was literally shock. And I guess at first I thought that maybe he was being a little insecure I thought that that was a little insecure of a professional athlete to react the way that he did. But I think one of the things that it did was it wasn't just one thing with him. That was really a big growing moment for him. And to so to kind of watch him realize kind of like to come into his own in terms of like, okay, well, this is my future now. It's a business. This isn't about me. I can still go out there and be better. He's in a way taking accountability, you know, and just by contrast to healed and Bagley, it's just like those guys are always ready to, to to blame somebody else, to blame the organization, to blame a coach. You know, it's just ridiculous. So they it, look all the worse. Yeah, it, yeah. It, good riddance. And <laughs> I'm glad they're not on the Kings anymore. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Rough to be them. <laughs> rough to be. I I tell you, it's rough to be the Pacers in the in the. I mean, like Buddy Hill's talking about Rick Carlisle's free-flowing offense. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and that free-flowing offense is not going to take Rick Carlisle very long to figure out that you shouldn't be fucking holding on to the ball. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just yeah, like NBA champion Rick Carlisle's. Yeah. I mean, like, gee, whiz. Oh man, I don't know. It's just so. It just seems so. It's just like, do you not realize the situation here? I don't know. It seemed like he was just. He knew that he screwed up. He knew he looked bad, and he was just trying to. Um, kind of just throw some dirt back at the other side because he knew he looked like a dork. But he's always going to see himself as a better player than he actually is. He he grew up idolizing Kobe. I think he always oh, wanted yeah. Kobe. He's number 24 because of Kobe. I, he just really wants to be Kobe. And I don't, I know a lot of people probably do, but that's not his, that's not his game unfortunately, until he realizes that and can really accept a role as a really good number three option who is a pure shooter and shouldn't be handling the ball at all. It was like Clay Thompson, you know? Like, you know, Clay doesn't bring the... I don't know. I don't really watch the Warriors. But, you know, Clay's that spot-up guy. That's what Buddy needs to be doing. Yeah. Well, Clay, Clay will bring the ball up, but um, sometimes... Before his... I don't know what's going on now. After, you know, I don't know really... I haven't really seen the Warriors play um, since Thompson came back. Honestly, I don't think. Um, but you know, it's it's always the attitude thing. Um, yeah. Buddy just gets the ball in his hands. He's like, "This is going in the bucket somehow, or it's going yeah. up in, in that general direction." Would probably be more inaccurate. Yeah, uh, way of putting it. But it's like, again, it's like kind of like you don't really get to carry the ball in Steve Kerr's system. Probably, if you're not going to do the right thing with it, 
Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of always goes back to that kind of stuff. It's just, it's unfortunate with healed, but it's also like, I felt like that was just always going to happen. Yeah. hundred percent. So buddy being buddy, buddy, buddy bundler, buddy, buddy, bundler. buddy blunder, buddy blunder. I know. And, I guess getting off healed, it's uh it was a slow week for Kings basketball. Um only one game during this work week. Um we play the Magic tomorrow on the road. It's a four o'clock game on a Saturday. It's like the worst time. It's a four o'clock game on a Saturday. I know, it's it's not more. But it's gonna be against the Magic, which makes it even less exciting. I know where he was. I always forget. I always forget that the Magic are in the league. Right? We never we you know, we never play the Magic. Just That's <laughs> weird. Like you ever like trying to go through like teams in the league? And you're like, what is that other team in the Eastern Conference? Like, why am I only counting 14? Yeah, right. I'm like, oh the Magic. <laughs> yeah, right. It's almost like magic that I can even remember it. <laughs> no, that's stupid. Don't laugh at it like that. <laughs> oh man yeah no we're gonna get we're gonna get to watch that my friend yeah me me and john me and john will be together this weekend we... in disney world no i'm just kidding we're not gonna be <laughs> Orlando. no we're gonna be at the bubble yeah <laughs> yeah so we will be watching the game together and uh you know hopefully the kings get a win saturday i don't think they play sunday I don't know though. No, they they play Monday in Miami. In Mo, yeah. It's the Florida road trip, huh? Yeah. And then they go to Houston. Get to just hang out, you know? Nice. Look at that. Florida on the Gulf Coast. There we go. Couple That's easy bad. wins, maybe. I don't know if we want to win, but they're definitely definitely a couple easy I mean I think that's the it's the really like one of the things that made I think the benefit of playing these guys in added minutes is the fact that they're not getting crushed. Yeah. So yeah, it's great that they're playing these teams. It's great that they don't really play a good team until they go back home against Golden State. And kind of Golden State, I think, have only won like four of the last ten or something like that. Yeah. So it's like that could be fun. That's always fun. I feel like the Kings always show up against the Warriors for a competition. Um, or more often than not, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got the Pelicans at home again. And then, you know, Clippers, Phoenix. But not getting too far ahead of ourselves. We do have four interesting games in terms of seeing what some of these guys can do, which I still think is kind of one of the main narratives going forward. Yes. It'll be exciting to watch uh, just to see Davion continue to progress and see what Metu can and Metu and Jones can do um, with the remaining games with kind of uncertainty up in the air for them going into next year in the offseason. So it'll be fun and yeah, got that game tomorrow, but you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I think that's everything for now. All right. Well, Tony and John from Cap City Crown. Uh, until next time.